Hello, hello. You are listening to Apricity. Apricity means the warmth of the sun in the winter. My hope is that this podcast feels like a warm hug on a cold winter day. My name is Sion Camille. I am your host. Today, I am joined by my wonderful friend, Araste, aka Her Healthful on Instagram and TikTok. She is a recent PhD graduate studying psychology, specifically effective science. She also is an incredibly talented content creator. Everything she creates is so visually beautiful, whether it's wellness, lifestyle, mental health content. I love seeing everything she posts and think that she is such an impressive person and so beautiful inside and out. In today's episode, we talk about working through imposter syndrome and her work studying how we cope with emotions during stressful times. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, welcome on. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be talking today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Do you want to give everyone a little bit of an intro about you? I'm Araste, and I live in Toronto, Canada. I'm 27 years old. I'm a part-time content creator, I would say, and I'm also in school doing my PhD in psychology. So I've kind of lived a double life for the past few years, and I'm almost at the finish line. But yeah, my content has a lot to do with wellness, lifestyle, mental health, and I try to like weave in things that I've learned from school. Because I think having the credentials and the education to back up what you say is so important with all of the noise in social media. There's a lot of misinformation, as we all know. So yeah, I try to bring that to my platform. And I started my platform when I started school just because I wanted a creative outlet and I didn't want my whole life to be school. And I love doing multiple things. I kind of overwhelm myself, but I also thrive on it because I think it's so nice to use different parts of your brain. And I love that I can meet new people on social social media like that's how we connected it's been so so fun and I'm excited to see like where the journey keeps taking me when I'm done school yesterday I it was it yesterday I went on Amazon and you were on the homepage. I know it's been like a whirlwind of a week so I got approached by them from for a campaign that's highlighting Canadian designers in the fall for their fall collections and stuff all the way in July so This was like so long in the making that I kind of removed myself from it being real. And then I wasn't even told I was going to be on the homepage. It was just like there was a few creators. All of them were modeling for a brand. And then I get a notification like, oh, my God, you're on the homepage. And I was like, no, you're you're kidding. I was like, I bet it's just on the mobile. It's not on the desktop. Then I opened the desktop and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, it was just so weird. Yeah, but honestly... It's crazy because like things like that can happen to me, but I still have imposter syndrome, which is ridiculous because it has come to life. You know, I've put in the work and all of that, but I'm just like, oh, you know, I just got lucky or like it should have been another of the creators featured there. So I like to celebrate when I can, but it's so hard not to have that little voice be present in those like really amazing moments. In your career, that's such a huge moment. When you first started out doing social media, would you have ever imagined that something like that would happen? Never. And also like part of the partnership was like you have to walk a runway 
you have to like get pictures all of that and I think a few years ago even now when I saw you have to walk a runway I'm like I don't want to do that that is so scary and I almost like said no because of that part and they're like sorry like you can't take that out it's a really big part of it so I was like you know what it's the year of doing uncomfortable things like just say yes and so I did that but even now since I'm feeling those uncomfortable feelings I've grown so much I can't even imagine like a few years ago even though it's an amazing opportunity I would have just been so scared to say yes so I would have literally never imagined the opportunity arising but then also me saying yes to it yeah absolutely and you said that you felt imposter syndrome when it was happening and you have that come up for you how do you move through imposter syndrome because I think this is something a lot of people deal with yeah 100% so for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is it's basically like when you have achieved something when you have objectively had something be a success and despite all of that you feel like you don't deserve that success like you are an imposter in your position And you're fooling everybody into thinking that you're doing amazing things. You might tell yourself uh, things like, oh, you know, I just got lucky. It wasn't actually me. So you're not taking credit for what you did and you're really blowing it off. And I feel like a lot of us, especially as women, we don't really celebrate ourselves. Even when people compliment me, I'm trying so hard to just say thank you and not, you know, explain it off and be like, oh, you know, I just had a good hair day. It's fine. Like, it's, it's not actually me. So I'm trying to just say thank you and like leave it at that. But yeah, when I go through feelings of that, I try to journal and kind of see what the root cause of it is. Because I think sometimes there can be triggers that come up that might have been stuff from childhood, like, you know, moments where I felt unworthy or maybe like I needed to do more to get praise or success and validation from other people. So I think for me, journaling is huge and also like taking the moment to be really present. I think imposter syndrome comes from not being present and also like looking towards the future, looking towards the past, just being anywhere but here right now. And I think if you really ground yourself, you're like, holy shit, I did that. You'll be willing to celebrate and do all of that. So I think journaling and then just being super present and also being around people who love you because they're going to invalidate all of those doubts you have. And you're going to be like, okay, I guess if, you know, 10 people are saying congratulations and they're celebrating me, then why shouldn't I be celebrating myself? I think that's really great advice, being really present when you're having those feelings come up. I was thinking about it when you were saying it and I was like, okay, when have I felt imposter syndrome? And I think it's when I am looking ahead into the future and I'm like, okay, but I still want to be like all the way over there and I'm still all the way over here. But I think that's really good advice to be like, okay, but look at where you are right now and also all the work you've done to get there. Yeah, for sure. And also, like I had mentioned, stay in the present and don't think about the past. But if you're always like a forward thinker and you're like, okay, now that I've crossed this off my to-do list, let me get to the next thing before actually, you know, celebrating that thing you got done. Just think about how you a year ago was working towards what you just did or you five years ago, like wouldn't believe that you just did what you accomplished. So I think in some cases it can be helpful to look at past versions of yourself and what would happen if they were right in front of you and what would they say 
One of my favorite visualizations that I've talked about on the podcast before is you imagine yourself sitting in a circle with all the past versions of yourself. So like you at nine years old, you at 15 years old, you at 20 years old, and imagine them looking at each other and what they would have to say to each other. And that is just the craziest thing to think about because I think we don't notice, or at least I don't year to year, how much I really change. But then when I look, I'll go on Instagram and look at my archive from like two years ago. I'm like, that is not the same person as today. It's insane how much you grow and people around you notice too. I think close friends of mine are like, oh my God, like the last day I knew in grade 12 in high school, like you've grown so much. You are always beside yourself and you don't realize, you know, because day by day, you don't see much growth. It's something that unfolds over years. It's really nice to have those conversations with other people. Obviously, like if those people have been around you all those years. But yeah, I think I've read that visualization before somewhere. And I was like, I got to try it once because I haven't tried it actually before. But I'm pretty sure I would just end up bawling, like for real. Once you look at yourself as a child, you're like, oh my God, there's so much I wish I could tell her. The first time I did it, I did cry. I'd love to learn more about your PhD journey. But first, I want to do your sun, moon and rising in astrology. Do you know them? So my sun is Sagittarius. My moon is Leo. And my rising is Pisces. And I kid you not, the rest of my chart is Capricorn. That's why we get along because I'm a Capricorn. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Because I think I had like a kind of like a casual reading done, not like super in depth. And the person was like, you're basically a Capricorn. Like your half of your chart is Capricorn. And I was like, no, I'm a Sagittarius. But yeah, it's super interesting when, you know, you get to know more of the other little houses and stuff. Sagittarius is all about learning and very philosophical. And I think I definitely see that in you. And I feel like that's why I love talking with you. And then also Leo Moon. I love that placement in people. It's just like, you're there till the end. You are that friend that someone can call if they need someone. To me, I'm like a Leo Moon friend is like the best friend to have. Yeah, that's definitely accurate. And sometimes I'm just like, I want people to lean on me more. You know, in a way, I'm just like, I don't mind being there for you. Like, I want to be needed in a weird way because I think it's like how I probably show love to people in my life. I'd love to know more about why you chose to get into psychology and how you decided to get your PhD. Yeah, for sure. So I went through school thinking I my end-all be-all was being a doctor, going to medical school, doing all of that. But then I slowly came to realize that that was definitely my parents' dream and not my dream. And so after first year of university, I, I was taking science courses, like all of that. The school that I go to, if anyone's from Canada, it's U of T. It's like really prestigious school and they're known to be super, super hard for their science program because there's a lot of international students here. And so just really competitive. And I was like, honestly, my favorite class is psychology out of all the courses I took. I've always been super observant of other people and just how they behave and looking up the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistic Manual for clinicians and people who diagnose others. But I think in school, once I realized, like I fully vividly remember having two exams in one day. One of them was chemistry. The other one was psychology. Chemistry, I had like a 65 average. Uh, and psychology, I had like an 85. 
So I probably should have spent more time studying for the chem exam and like working my butt off to get the average up. But I was like, honestly, no, like I'm going to study for the psych because it's so much more interesting. And like, I just, I couldn't do it. So that night and that whole experience was like, wow, even the grade wasn't motivating enough for me to study for the sciences. So after that, I specialized. I did my major in psychology. I did like a research specialist program. Yeah, I loved all my classes. Like it was so, so refreshing to finally enjoy school. When I was graduating, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do for my next steps as most new grads go through. And I took a year off school to kind of just like figure my life out. I was a server. I was also a lab manager. And so I was still keeping busy, but I was just like, I need a breather. I realized I wasn't done learning. It kind of just scratched the surface in undergrad. And it just so happened that somebody at my school got hired that was like really well aligned with my research interests. And in grad school, you're not just applying to the school, you're applying to a person, like an advisor, a professor at the school because you're working with them for the next few years. So if there's nobody at a school that really piques your interest, then you're like, I can't go to that school. There's nobody there for me. So she got hired and I was like, oh my God, like I have to, it was kind of a sign for me. And so I applied to her and I was like one of her first grad students. Basically she studies emotions and how we regulate them. So I think some of the terms that I've learned about and used are very normal everyday things that we do, but you might not know that it's called that or it's like a certain strategy. So yeah, I like study how we cope with our emotions during stressful times and like how that affects our well-being. These are going to seem like jargony words, but I'll break them down. So the biggest kind of strategies that have been studied, there's three of them. One of them is called cognitive reappraisal. You can just call it reappraisal for short. And this is just changing the way you think about a situation and that affects your emotions. Super simple. We do this every day without even realizing it. It can help you feel better. It can help you feel less stressed, obviously. But sometimes, and this is kind of what research I'm doing, is like sometimes you want to sit with an emotion and changing the way you think about it isn't the best for you because it's invalidating in a way. So if somebody, for example, tells you or you tell yourself like it could be worse for you to kind of feel better about the situation, it's like, yeah, it could be worse. But, you know, in a situation that is really unjust, for example, like somebody being discriminated against, you're telling that person to feel better because it could have been worse. So there's context and there's like instances where it's like actually even though there's so much research showing that reappraisal is like the best strategy, because like all in all, it is amazing. And there's so many times where it can really get you out of those really stressful emotions. But now research is showing like it's not always helpful and you shouldn't just recommend it to everybody because a lot of clinicians do. So that's one of them. The next one is emotional acceptance. And so that is what it sounds like. It's accepting your emotions and letting yourself feel your feelings without trying to judge them, without trying to intervene. So it's very different from reappraisal because reappraisal is you're actively trying to change your emotion. You're trying to look at the situation differently and your goal is to change your emotion. But acceptance, you don't want to change. You just want to feel it and accept it. And some people are like kind of argue that it's not a strategy. I think it is a strategy because you're still actively doing something. You still have a relationship with your emotions there. 
There's been so much research showing that it's a really beneficial strategy to allow yourself to get through your emotions and not push them away. Obviously, in in those situations I was talking about where reappraisal might not be helpful, acceptance is a great alternative and it's way more validating. If you have a partner who's going through something, it's way more validating to be like, you know what, like you're totally valid for feeling that instead of being like, oh, it could have been worse. And then the last one is called suppression. And it's basically when you feel an emotion, but you don't show it on the outside. So I could be feeling really, really angry, but I'm hiding that. And there's tons of research showing that it's really harmful for your health and for your relationships and all of that. But just how reappraisal has those like boundary conditions, so does suppression. There are like a few, few instances where it can actually be helpful. It can be helpful for your safety, for example, not to show your emotions. And, you know, there are certain instances. So what I've learned the most is that it's not black and white. Like you can't just say this is good and this is bad and you should always do this or that. It's like so, so living in the gray and there's so much diversity and like it depends on the person it depends on your cultural background like for example in asian cultures a lot of people actually are taught to suppress their emotions and not show it on their face and for them it might not be as harmful because it's what they grew up with so yeah it's just super interesting obviously i only scratched the surface but those are the big three that are like huge in emotion land and the research there have you, while learning about these things, found that it's been helpful for your own mental health while learning about all of it? And have you applied it to your own life? Yeah, definitely. One strategy I didn't mention, which is just super self-explanatory, is distraction. We'll just distract ourselves not to feel things. And so out of those four, it's just been interesting to me to see how I deal with emotions on a day-to-day basis. And the hardest one for me is acceptance and just going through my emotions over the years like it's been a great source of awareness for me through journaling through like really getting in touch with my emotions it's been so helpful in the long run and it just kind of changes the way you instantly react to something like in those heat of the moment situations whether you're like in a discussion with somebody else or you're really beating down on yourself for you know messing something up that helps me not really ruminate And ruminating is just like, you know, thinking about something over and over again. And like, you make it worse for yourself. It's as if you're living through it twice. And I think it's helped me a lot in that sense. I think when you apply it to relationships, like how you regulate somebody else's emotions, like there's so much there too. And it's harder because it's another person in the dynamic. But it's what I was mentioning about like, not invalidating somebody else's emotions and you know, letting them also feel what they need to feel because sometimes we flip the rules and think that what applies to us and what helps us, it might not be for them. So yeah, for myself and for my relationships, like especially romantic relationships, it's been so, so eye-opening. Yeah, I bet. And I feel like it is so wild how much just the conversation surrounding mental health and how we can better ourselves to be better partners, to be better friends. It's blown up so much on social media. And I think about when we were teenagers, this wasn't something that was really talked about. And it was kind of like mental health is like pushed in the closet. No one talks about it. Whereas now I think it 
is widely even like men are open to it like it's not just women having this conversation so I'm curious how you think you in high school versus you now how you look at the conversation of mental health and on social media is it something that you think it's helpful that it's being talked about so much or do you think there's misinformation too Mm, yeah that's a great question high school was probably like the lowest mental health I've ever had in my life and so just comparing like my mental health now to then like complete 180 so back then I just don't think I had enough tools and I don't think I had the courage to even like talk to people around me and everything was just held within me I was like I'll deal with it myself it's fine you know being a high schooler you're going through so much peer pressure you're going through so many things that you don't really want to stand out you don't want to be you know labeled as that person or whatever which is very toxic to think about but when you're that age like nobody can tell you otherwise so that stubbornness was there and trying to think I can deal with it all was there and my parents were always super supportive but I think it's just in my personality to keep things to myself and I've worked on that over the years and I'm so much better because if you're going to be in a relationship with somebody you can't hold everything to yourself so yeah in terms of just that alone I've opened up so much and I think back then like the main social media was like Facebook and Instagram was just becoming a thing and it was very much just posting pictures putting a filter on it and that's it it was like a literally a photo diary so it wasn't the way it was today where there's influencers and there's people who are feeding you messages and like now there is conversations around mental health and TikTok was not a thing back then either. So I think we're just so overstimulated these days and there's so much coming from every direction. It's hard to know what's right. So I think in terms of just the content of social media, I feel like I always say I'm so lucky not to have been in the younger generation now that's growing up with social media because I think that that would just wreak havoc on my mental health and now everybody has a phone so young and you just have so much access to it there's so much research showing like it is destroying the youth's mental health and it's not surprising like even now I'm we're so much older and more aware and like that awareness piece isn't there when you're younger like your brain hasn't developed enough to even have that self-control And they make these apps to be so addictive. So I think in terms of like social media itself, it's just really detrimental for people's mental health. And I think there needs to be boundaries and all of that and kind of monitoring what you're consuming. But it's so hard on apps like TikTok where you can't. It's like the explore page is showing you whatever and you can't really put boundaries on that. So I don't know the answer there, but I think it's useful to have the stigma around mental health be way lower today compared to 10 years ago or when I was in high school because now everybody is talking about their therapists just bringing it up so casually in conversation like I was just like telling that to my friend yesterday and then he was telling me about his therapist and we're like just like I was like wow we're having like a whole long conversation about this and it's amazing in 2023 that we can do that but I still don't think it's fully like there's still stigma and I think it's part of the reason why It's hard for, you know, content creators or anybody to be vulnerable with others. It's just, it's a really hard position to put yourself in. But I think the more that people do it, other people realize that it's not just them. 
So there's so much power in sharing, whether it's with your close friends or people you trust, or if you are a creator or anyone with an online presence, which is even scarier because you're telling this to strangers. But every time I've you know shared something, then there's like so many people who are like, I've gone through that or thank you for saying that. And you always feel like you're alone until there's the people who say that, you know, me too. And I think that that's a really nice thing, but it's easy to live in your head and feel like you're the only person in the world going through that. So yeah, I'm glad to not have grown up with social media, but I do wish the stigma was lower back then when I was struggling the most. I was writing about this the other day, actually, because I think vulnerability has been such a big theme in my life the past few years. It is something that I kind of ran away from when I was younger, and I was embarrassed that I was a very sensitive person, and I didn't want to show that to people. And I think sometimes when you're really sensitive, you can actually go in the complete opposite direction of trying to act like you're not sensitive. But I was writing and I wrote, the more I open the doorway to my heart, the more love seeps in. And I think that the more we're vulnerable and the more that we talk about things that we think we're the only one going through, the more we have the ability to connect with other people. And I'm sure that's something that you found in school and on social media too. It's the hardest thing to do, but once you do it, you're right. It opens a door and it lets other people in. And so it feels like the most grueling and individual lonely thing until you do it. So yeah, I think that that saying is so beautiful. And I've even like, just like vulnerability with yourself, even if it's not sharing with other people, it's like the willingness to look at yourself or your circumstances or what you've been going through and kind of admit to yourself where things have been going wrong or where you could show up more for yourself. And I even think that might be scarier because you're really dealing with a problem or, you know, your life head on. To have that level of self-awareness is just like you need to be so emotionally mature and you need to be open to it. And I think a lot of people aren't open to it and they fill their life with distractions. And, you know, it can be years and years and you just you don't stop for a second and see where you're at. So, yeah, vulnerability with others, but also with yourself is super important. Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerability with yourself is hard. It's hard to like take a look at yourself and be real and also like hold yourself accountable for for where you're at in your life, for the reactions that you have to people, for the way that you talk to yourself. Like I was talking with a friend last night and she was saying, you know, there's a lot of people who are loud on social media about you should be doing this and you should be doing that and a lot of them don't actually practice that and so I think like looking at yourself is always kind of the first step to building a better relationship with the world around you and with people around you you have to always look at yourself first I love that concept of like vulnerability with yourself I think I had a period where I was like posting on stories that like everybody should seek therapy and it's like so great and I was like I've ghosted my therapist for six months. Like I should be telling myself that. But part of it was like, I'm telling it to myself and I'm like, oh, I, you know, I'm telling people to do it. So I should be doing it. And it's just, yeah, once you're not in alignment with what you're preaching or what you're telling the people in your life, that mismatch, it can be so 
heavy and like on your identity and just like how authentic you feel. So practice what you preach. It's like cliche, but it's so, so true. Yeah, absolutely. I always ask my guests to ask their followers questions and then we will answer them together. So we could kind of start going through those. The first one that I just want to ask you that is not a question from one of your followers, but I just want to add it to the speed round is what is lighting you up in this season of your life? I would say I'm in a season of loving my time at home and saying no to plans and just really keeping my mental space and my physical space like clean. And I know we're in fall and winter and that's kind of natural for that to happen. But it just feels so good to go to sleep early, wake up early and just have that peace. So I think I'm just really leaning into routine and slowness. And that's like bringing a lot of light in my life right now. That's so in alignment with the seasons. And I feel like especially where you live too, because you do have seasons. For sure. Yeah. It's getting cold already. It's like a nice gloomy day though. Sometimes I'm like, I need a gloomy day. What are your favorite things to do during this time? Uh, Like in the winter when it's snowing? Yeah. I think this year I want to do more pottery. I think I don't use my hands enough when I want to do more like crafty things in the winter. And I want to host more dinner parties. I think that's just like such a cute way to get people together and, you know, not have to spend money going out for dinner, but also make it like a cute occasion to dress up a little and have conversations. So yeah, I want to host more of those because it was just like so fun to, to host my last one and decorate and everything. So yeah, trying to keep busy with like more crafty, creative things. Your last dinner party looked so cute. So one of the questions, which I usually always get when I do a Q&A, it's about how to balance life, but also because I'm doing content in school. Balance is really important for me not to get overwhelmed and to just make sure everything gets done. I think, yeah, balance is so hard. And we were talking, I think, before we started recording about how I take it like day by day, week by week. And I think that really applies here, probably more on like the week by week basis, because every week looks so different to me. So I will try to like sit down on a Sunday and have like at least an hour to just plan out my week. And I'm going to give you the cliche like tools like Google Calendar, a planner, whatever makes you write something down. It can be like your notes app. And I use my notes app a lot because it's just everywhere with me. But scheduling things in a calendar is super helpful for me because I'm scatterbrained. I need something that shows me what I'm doing that day. And I'll even schedule things in like a workout or downtime, just things that are still important. But if we don't schedule it in, we might miss out and then we're burnt out by the end. So I think for school, it's important if you're a student to just like write down your deadlines in your calendar, work backwards, what you have to do beforehand, and then content it's so hard because you feel like you're always on or you always should be on. There's no nine to five. You're supposed to be like always, you know, on the weekends, everything. So I try to like use the weekends and like evenings to maybe edit. And I don't try to force it. I feel like in the past I would force posting content because I'm like, ugh, like the algorithm, I need to be consistent, all of that. But it just takes the joy out of it. And I have to constantly remind myself that it's supposed to be fun. It's like why I started it and when I lose that creative spark and it just like, ugh, it feels like a chore, it's the worst. And you can tell when people are forcing it 
I'd rather post nothing than post a forced piece of content. So yeah, I think just in terms of both, I always have like a to-do list and I have headers for each so that I know kind of what I need to do for each, but also giving myself grace to not check everything off. It's kind of like a what I would like to do, but it's not I have to do. So it's a little more chill, but yeah, some days I'm doing more school. Content started off as something fun. Obviously, like it's a part-time job now, but it's like where your priorities are at. If you want to have weekends free, then like you might not want to be doing two things at once, like content and school. But yeah, I think there's a there's a way to achieve all of that, but also work in breaks and seeing people and making sure like social wellness is also there and yeah, alone time. But you can't just say I'm going to do it. You have to like use those tools to help you. And trust me, as a Sagittarius, like I hate planning and I hate doing that stuff, but it's so helpful in the end. Yeah, totally. I think also like adding on to that because all of those were so helpful, having a reward system is like the best way to get things done because our brains just want dopamine if you tell yourself okay I'm gonna do this thing and then when I finish this thing I can have this like for example for me my in the morning like I work out first thing in the morning or else I like will never do it I have to do it like right when I get up and then my reward after is if I'm at the gym I get to go in the sauna which is so relaxing and I take time to do that or I'll go out to get a coffee I don't do that every day because it's expensive but like even just thinking like oh my gosh when I go home I get to go have my coffee and like a nice big breakfast I'm so excited for that having these little rewards it could be like a 20 minute walk it could be having a piece of chocolate it could be hanging out with a friend you know it's whatever feels significant for you but for me when I was learning more about creating habits and how to make habits actually stick the number one thing that like all of the books and podcasts I listen to all said is there has to be some sort of reward system or else we will not do the thing. It's so true. Yeah, I think, what is that? There's like this one really popular book on habits. Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he was like talking about that and everything I was like, oh my gosh, got to write notes on this and that. Like it was all so important. (laughs) But yeah, rewards are like the incentive. And it doesn't even have to be like a physical reward every single time. Like, I mean, it takes like a bit more to, to see how your future self will thank you. For example, if I want to have a weekend where I'm able to see friends or whatever and have that time, I'm like, okay, I need to finish like my schoolwork during the week. Because then my future self is going to be so happy that I don't have work to do on the weekend. And so I think integrating like short term goals within a day of like going on a walk or whatever is so motivating. But then also like when that is done and you're like, okay, well, what's my reward now? It's like, oh, my future self is going to be so happy when I finish this. And it's like it can help get you through those really, really tough moments. But yeah, rewards over punishments always. Yeah, that's such a good point. Somebody asked both of us about how to make friends on social media and like first steps when it comes to that because I think both of us have made a lot of friends on social media and we like hang out with them now consistently outside of it so yeah I think for me what I would say is if you've been following somebody and they've been mutually following you back and you have the same interests already 
like that's a first go and you're like okay I think I already I'm gonna like this person because we were both loving wellness or whatever it is and I feel like it was like that for me for a lot of people and so for me I would just be like reply to a story or or they reply to a story being like we should go to a workout class one day or you know we should grab coffee oh like do you live in Toronto too just like little dms that are organic and you know it doesn't have to be a huge thing I think when it feels like a really big commitment or like it just it's a lot then it can be more daunting for the other person and so if you make it chill and casual most people are going to be like yeah I'm down and they want to meet people too for me it was through dms and it was always like an activity together a lot of it was like workout classes um over time when I like started going to events and stuff I think that was more daunting to like say hi to people in person because you just don't know if somebody's going to be the same way they are online and I have had experiences where I'm just like well you are not the way you are online and so it can be daunting (laughs) in that way but I find that like 90% of the time if you just go and say hi like I'm so and so like are you also a content creator or whatnot then people are so nice. It's just really, you don't know until you try. And it's so hard to put yourself out there. But I'm telling you, some of my closest friends have been through the really scary moments of like being the first one to say hi. And now we like look back and we're like, wait, which one was the person who said hi? Like nobody remembers that. It's just organically over time, if you really click and your energies are like aligning, then the friendship will blossom into something so beautiful. So yeah, I don't know if you have any tips that helped you. Yeah, I think most of my friends, it's very similar to what you said, but I've definitely reached out to people and been like, I love your energy or like, I love your content. A very honest truth of just like how I feel about them. And I think that only good can come of that. Like when you just reflect someone's light back to them. If you have something nice to say to someone, like I always am such a firm believer that you should just say something because it's like, you're only going to make them feel good. Like there's no loss. Even if that person didn't respond, like, and maybe they just saw it, like you probably made them feel good. So it's like, there's no loss in that. I think in real life, when I've made like random friends in person, it's usually based off of, we have some common ground of connecting. I was on a plane and this girl next to me pointed at my ring and she was like, oh, I love your ring. And then she had tons of rings on and we started talking about rings and then we started talking about her tattoos and then we just like became friends on the plane and it was just the smallest thing. People are usually very open to connecting with other people and if someone's like not receptive then that connection was not meant to happen. Yeah and people love talking about themselves like a compliment a question It's just, it goes such a long way. And I actually like saw this research paper come out recently that was like, people perceive you as more intelligent when you ask more questions, which is like so funny because like you're just asking questions, but people are like, whoa, this person is really like articulate. And it's just because they're talking about themselves more. Don't underestimate the power of just asking questions and making somebody feel like you care and you're putting an effort. It goes such a long way. The energy you put out is the energy that typically you'll receive. If you inherently like long to be friends with a certain type of person, think about who would that person want to hang out with? You know, 
like who they always say with dating like be your dream boyfriend's dream girl like you have to put out the energy that you want to receive so that's something I always think about too like okay like if I want to be friends with people who are really warm and friendly like I need to be really warm and friendly Mm -hmm. and that's not even like being fake it's just capitalizing on parts of you that are already there and just like showing them a bit more like it's not hard to be kind ever I'm always just like being kind is just like baseline but then above and beyond that like talk about things that you guys already have in common like just turning up the volume on certain things and then eventually when you're around somebody so much more you can kind of talk about whatever and be fully yourself with the other aspects but yeah whoever is like meant to be in your life will be attracted to you and it's just beautiful to then look at it like years later and it's the same thing for ending friendships honestly like when people don't serve you anymore and you just feel like it's stuck and there's just no moving forward like I've had to end friendships where there's just been so many repeated patterns that I I can't look past it anymore and the older you get the more you realize how important your time is and you can't just share it with anybody and everybody So it goes both ways for me. Totally, totally. I agree with that. And I think sometimes people are meant to be in our life for just a season and not, or a reason, you know, sometimes both. Sometimes our paths with people will diverge and then we'll come back together and then we'll separate. And I think that just honoring whatever you feel in that season of your life where it's like, I don't align with this person or I don't align with this group of people anymore I have had to do that and it's so hard and I was just reflecting this is like so full circle for me because I I went to a sound bath last night and I was thinking about how younger me had to do a lot of these things alone like going to yoga classes and going to sound baths and I would go to those spaces in hopes to meet like-minded people and now it's I'm 24 years old and I'm like, oh my God, I have so many aligned friendships and there's so many just opportunities for connection that younger me like dreamed of having. But first I had to step away from the friendships that weren't aligned and that didn't serve me. And I think there's always a period of loneliness that comes with being like, okay, not this, but something better. And you can't make room for new people until like older ties that are, you know, bringing your energy down are cut off in a way and it's not to say that it's forever like you said people might come back in your life at another time but you'll never know who's going to enter your life at any given moment yeah I didn't know that we were going to become friends like you just never know (laughs) yeah for sure it's no it's so beautiful when you look at all the things that had to happen for you to become a friend with somebody so somebody just asked a question love you both how do you post consistently without feeling mentally drained I have changed the way I look at content and I look at making content. I don't put things out and this might not be, this is not me saying this is how you're going to get like a million followers because that's not, that's not my experience. So like I can't come from the perspective of this is how you're going to grow the most. I can just only speak from my experience and I think my experience is my intention is to create a space where people feel safe and where people feel seen but also I want to create art and not content the people who do the best someone like Emma Chamberlain like she just is who she is and she is able to be consistent because she's creating from her heart and 
I've found that in times where I feel frustrated or I feel stagnant with creating, and I, I went through a period where I didn't post for like six months, I think. Like I really dropped off of social media for a while and it was because I was coming from the place of I have to create content to XYZ and I wasn't doing it from the place of I love doing this and I get to do it. And so I think if you ever feel, oh, this is so hard to be consistent, like I look at, okay, what is inspiring me right now? What is lighting me up? How can I go do a fun shoot with a friend? How can I write about something for a while? Like make your content something that doesn't feel like work to be doing. Do something that it feels fun and it's like, oh my God, I love doing this. You will be consistent if you're doing things that you love. Yeah, for sure. And the same way, like I've just come to realize the trends and the videos that maybe will go viral. It's just not going to attract a community of people who are really engaged with your content. Like sometimes people, I mean, I do this all the time on TikTok. I'll see somebody's video and I'll be like, oh, they're funny. Let me follow. And then I just forget about them and never see them again. If you're on social media for the quote unquote, right reasons. Like you want to build a community, you want to help people, you want to be a safe space for somebody. You want people to really care about your content. And you don't want that random person who just saw like two seconds of a video hit follow and, you know, not really care about what else you post. So I think somebody can have like millions of followers and then somebody can have like maybe a few thousand. But if that few thousand really really cares and is just like so invested and you know can see the hard work you put in I think that's so much more valuable and even as a creator it's so rewarding when somebody messages me that's like a piece of content helped a podcast helped and I'm like oh my gosh like it puts kind of more of a a human there like there are humans following me that's insane so I am so with you on that and Again, like I mentioned before, the forced content, you don't want to do that. It's going to make you despise what you do. And I think you're, it's just, you don't want that. You want it to be fun. And sometimes it does take like having creator friends and bouncing off of each other. And, you know, I've had people bring me up out of creative ruts because they're inspiring. And I love sharing those friendships because of that. And Like you said, sometimes just taking photos, like I've always loved taking photos and regardless of whether I post them or not, I think the whole creative direction and all of that is just so fun. So once you tap back into that and realize you started this for a reason, it just becomes like a whole new chapter and you're like, oh my God, I I don't have to post. Like I've been posting because I created this cool thing and I just want to share it with the world. So I, yeah, I love that advice of seeing things as art as well and not just a piece of content. Yeah. And what you're saying too is like it's returning to your intention. That's the way to go about life, not just with like content, but life in general. When you feel like you're not enjoying something, when you're having trouble connecting with people, remember like what is just your intention going into these situations? And I think that plus like it's intention, attention, and awareness. Like those three things are the best things to always return to when you feel disconnected from anything you're doing. You have to remind yourself every now and then. Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. Every day I have to. And I'm just curious, what what was your reason that you started creating content? Because I don't think we talked about that. 
No, I don't think we did. It was definitely way more health and wellness focused when I started. And I think we talked about that on my podcast, but yeah, my, my intention was just to like inspire people to lead a more healthful life. And I think in the beginning it was an accountability page for myself and like posting things to to then follow that healthy journey. And like, it was like toxic at some points. And so I feel like evolving as a creator is also not spoken about as much because like what I posted a few years ago is not what I post now. It's more like little snippets and I'll post a recipe here and there. But before it was just like every single day and it was like clean ingredients and it was so different. And I feel like it shows how you grow as a person. But I think my intention is like some form of that in terms of like still inspiring people, but in a different way to like be more mentally well and to kind of what you were saying, like create a safe space where people feel understood and heard and like they're not alone. That's such a beautiful evolvement. Mine is very much to create like a healing space for other people and really be, I always think about 17 year old me was felt so alone. And so I just want to like be the person that 17 year old me needed. And you know, maybe there's a 17 year old now that looks at my content and is like, oh, I love this. You know, that's what I really just want to like be there for that person. And I think that that's why social media, although there's so many downsides and there's there's a lot of darkness with it, there are so many opportunities for connection and to learn. And I don't know about you, but I used to follow YouTubers and influencers when I was a teenager and they inspired me to be more myself and to like not be so scared of being who I am so I think that's my intention yeah I love that I think that's such a great place to end thank you so much for your time thank you so much for coming on do you want to plug your socials yeah sure thanks so much for having me on it's like the time flew by I didn't even realize (laughs) yeah yeah, so my username everywhere is the same. It's her.healthful. And then I have a podcast, which is also called Her Healthful. Love your friend, Sion Araste.